costs. We are starting, though, taking a look at the latest proposal when it comes to a property tax increase in the city of Vancouver, a draft budget showing the taxes could go up by about 9.7%. And joining us now to talk more about this number is Sarah Kirby-Young, a Vancouver City Councillor. Councillor Kirby-Young, thanks so much for taking some time. Good afternoon, Jill. Uh, People, especially I would imagine homeowners in Vancouver, will hear this number and notice that it is a lot bigger than the first version or an earlier version of the draft budget. So how can you justify the 9.7% proposal for the property tax hike? Well, let me provide some context on the draft budget that was released yesterday by city staff. Um, And that is that uh, coming into this new term, our team have inherited an an empty and a gutted reserve. In fact, our general stabilization reserve is in the negative. Uh, We have a half billion dollar infrastructure deficit and we have years of underfunding uh, services that the city uh, absolutely has to deliver, uh, like police and fire um, and services that most importantly really matter to residents. So that's some uh, context. And I think that what you're beginning to see with other municipalities around the region and in fact, indeed around the province, that there are significant pressures on city budgets. We're seeing the impact of rising inflation, um, increase in wages and labor costs, and Vancouver, um, unfortunately, is not alone in facing these challenges. Has a lot changed, though, since when looking at the draft budget from not too, too long ago in November of 2022, the idea put a, the number that was put forward, it looked as though the number was about a 5% hike in property taxes. And again, for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned. So how did we go from 5% to 9.7? Well, I believe that the uh, initial draft that uh, staff brought forward was actually coming in at closer to 7%. Um, but as I said, what we're seeing is those um, additional anticipated increases in labor and wage costs. Labor, I should say, and wage, labor and wage costs. There we go. Um, which is something that uh, is not unique to Vancouver. And again, those are costs that uh, the city doesn't. They're not um, sort of flexible. They're not costs that the city um, can sort of mitigate or can manage. Um, and we're seeing that happening um, with respect to the increasing inflation. So. Um, I think when the budget was cast back in the day, it was originally crafted uh, last summer that direction was given to try to keep it at 5%, but obviously we've seen rampant inflation happening since that time. Has anyone gone through the budget, though, and done a line-by-line analysis of this budget to see if there are places where other costs could maybe be saved rather than going the route of of all of going with this big of a property tax hike? Uh, are there other places, do you think, where there could be savings found? Well, I, I think that uh, this is a particularly tough year, and hopefully this is a year where we're starting to reinvest in those services that, as I said, really do matter to residents. Um, you'll see us taking a number of decisions around where we think we can still deliver meaningful outcomes, um, but with more cost savings. So, for example, I would point to the renter's office decision recently where we're able to um, support nonprofits that really have um, deep expertise in doing that work without the city having to deliver it. Um, and we're able to fund some of that work through providing city space at nominal cost um, through using the empty homes tax to help advance uh, setting up space and tenant improvements to them or advancing grants for them to support that work. And that doesn't hit directly the tax dollars for residents. So, um, of course, we're going to be looking at that. Um, it's a deep and it's a complex budget. This is not final at this stage. This is one that is proposed and council going to spend its due time and due diligence considering it before we make those final decisions on March 7th.
Are there things in the budget that that you can think of or that you're aware of, though? And we've talked about this before, that really aren't the jurisdiction of the city, whether it's uh, bigger picture climate change initiatives, uh, whether it's other items that really don't fall to the city's jurisdiction that maybe the city shouldn't be spending money on? Yeah, I think we're really going to focus on outcomes. One of the things that are, uh, for example, in our climate spending, um, a huge portion of our capital budget is all about climate spending. Uh, every infrastructure renewal that we do, such as the new aquatic center, everything is built uh, to green and environmental standards. As we're separating our aging sewer infrastructure to avoid combined sewer overflows, um, those are really expensive and significant projects. We're ensuring that we build in more green features that capture rainfall, that reduce the pressure on the system. Um, so I think it's really about taking a different lens and a different view um, around how the city can support goals and initiatives like climate. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's one example that I would really point to. And the uh, promise of the 100 mental health nurses and 100 new police officers, how does that play into this budget? As we know, the police budget is a big portion of where this money goes. But that specific promise from now Mayor Ken Sim, how does that play in as far as costs and how that is a part of this proposed 9.7% increase? So that is included, that commitment towards advancing the hiring of the police officers in conjunction with the mental health nurses. Um, so that's included in the draft 9.7% budget that staff have brought forward. Um, that work um, and those recommendations really came from a number of experts from Coastal Health and the police department. Um, and we took their advice because clearly that's one of the biggest issues that we are seeing playing out on our streets and in our communities in Vancouver. And we felt that we needed to address that. Um, and that is um, the way that we're hearing from an evidence outcome-based solution is the best way to work at that intersection of policing and social services to get people um, into a better place, to get them into support and recovery, to hopefully um, avoid them escalating um, and help um, reduce the impact on those police calls. Because right now we've got, whether it's police or fire, they're simply in um, triaging mode where they're responding to so many calls on the streets, and that's putting pressure um, on our personnel and also on our budget. So we're working to reduce the root causes of those issues. If we can stop people from escalating, if we can keep them stabilized, if we can get them into services, then that will help us in terms of the impact on those core city services. And when you talk about inflation, uh, wages, labor, and the cost of everything going up, I think that doesn't come as a huge surprise to people. But for residents, everything they're paying for as well is going up. So when you look at the past few years, and I think the numbers were, if we look at the increase in 2020 and 2021, uh, we saw a 6.3% increase, a 7% increase. Now with this proposal of a 9.7, people are going to look at that and say, well, hold on a second. And our, our wages haven't gone up that much. Our salaries haven't gone up that much. Everything costs more. How are people going to afford this? Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge concern um, around affordability. It's one of the reasons that we don't support policy that doesn't achieve outcomes. It's why we scrap the cup fee, for example. So, um, you know, if people are buying coffee two-thirds of the days out of the year. Um, that will go some way towards potential tax savings. It's those kinds of things that will help to mitigate some of the impact. Um, but I will say, again, we're going to focus really on what we heard from residents, that is that they want to see, they want to feel like they're getting value for the taxes that they're paying, and they want to feel like the money is being spent in the right places. Um, and that's what we're really going to try to focus on. 
Uh, do you think there's any chance, again, this is the draft budget, like you mentioned, the vote taking place on March 7th. Is this, uh, do you think uh, homeowners should be bracing that the number is going to be uh, around or exactly at 9.7 or is there a chance it will be something different? Well, as I said, it's a draft budget. It was just released uh, and posted yesterday. So council are doing our due diligence and going through it. Um, and we're going to be very uh, aware of the how difficult it is out there and the level of affordability and the challenges in our city when we're making these decisions. Um, but we're going to try to um, right the ship. We had years of not just underfunding of services, but artificially low tax increases. I think if you date back to 2010, they're averaging about 2% a year, and yet wages were rising higher and faster. And that's why you've seen sort of that lack of investment in things like cleaning public spaces and horticulture and not uh, right-sizing your fire service and all of those outcomes. So there's a lot of work to do to pull this back. And uh, we're, get, we're starting off strong, um, but it's going to take some time to right the ship. All right. Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Always happy to join.